you are suddenly aware of the sound of your breath. You have been roused by something, but you are not yet conscious of what it is. Then you feel it. The cold, the chilled air rolls up your nose and down your throat, and now, now you're awake. You open your eyes. The grand bedroom you find yourself in, with its stone walls and tapestries, the wooden four-poster bed with damask curtains, the silk garments and hot bedpan, none of these things can cut into the chill of the room. You look towards the thin stained glass window and you see them, two dark shapes outlined by the moonlight outside. They call out to you. What diabolical message do they have for you? You hear them call out. Welcome to Zombie Fishbowl, a podcast about random shit. We are Danielle and Melanie, Melanie and we are haunting your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you, Melanie? That was fantastic. I was like closing my eyes. I'm, all let me, I'm just going to let you transport me there. That was <laughs> magical. That felt good. I hope, I hope that you um, weren't too turned on um, with my MSMR or whatever it's called. <laughs> A little bit. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, cool. I don't really know. Right. Transition. Um, well, <laughs> um, how are you anyway, Melanie? I'm all right. I, uh, today is a Minecraft day in my house. Ooh. Yeah, I saw that on Facebook. What does that mean? So basically it means that we haven't been able to leave our house in a very long time. And uh, my kids are currently obsessed with Minecraft. Ever since our video game episode, I tried playing Minecraft, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually started figuring it out, and I was super excited, and I'm all, Tim would love this. Tim loves Legos. Tim's my boyfriend, in case you don't know. He loves Legos. He loves constructing things. I'm all, I know he's just going to lose his shit when he starts playing Minecraft. And I was right. And now it is very hard to pull him off the TV when when he's playing Minecraft. So we're like, fuck it. You know, let's just make our own family holiday, uh, which is Minecraft Day, and chances are we'll probably be celebrating it every... What the hell day is it? May 15th? Yeah. Yeah. Every May 15th from here on out until everybody's totally over Minecraft or it no longer exists. But I was up until two in the morning constructing little Minecraft blocks out of poster board and paint. And this morning I made two dozen cookies in the shapes and colors of Minecraft blocks. And I made a cake uh, of a creeper head. Cool. I don't know what any of that means, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, anybody who plays Minecraft or knows Minecraft will go, oh my god, she's amazing. And if you don't, fuck you. I worked my ass off for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're sort of doing this in reverse order. Melanie's had Minecraft day, and so it's actually not early morning for her now. She's like into the afternoon. And I am late nighting it after watching a live... How do you even describe this? So it's like a synchronized watching of the death of Stalin with Armando Iannucci, Jason Isaacs, and four or sorry, three other members of the crew plus a like Biffa, which is like the British film people, like person kind of hosting it, where like we all synchronized and pressed play and then they commentated over the whole thing, like a live commentary. It's awesome. Um it was really cool. 
at the same time, it was also very difficult to follow because you couldn't really watch the movie with them chattering, but that's fine. I, like, at no point did I go, like, I wish they'd shut up so I could watch this scene. <laughs> but Yeah, well, just, generally the uh, the purpose of those is, like, you should have already seen the movie before, you know. Yeah, I've seen it a couple of times, actually. The first time I saw it was actually an independent theatre that had a and a afterwards with one of the writers, anyway, who wasn't in this um, second one that I've watched. So both times that I've watched it, yeah, I think both times that I've watched it, I've had some kind of Q&A element to it, which is quite unique. I, I think I've watched it one time without, I think, I'm not sure, I might not have actually, because it's only uh, just come out on streaming services. But it's um, it's a really funny movie if you've never seen it. I don't think I have. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Yeah. But I will. Really good. It's basically like the thick of it, but set when Stalin dies. And it's just, oh man, it's just beautiful. So we, I've just finished that. And then they were doing like a Q&A afterwards. Um, and now I'm like drinking wine and doing the podcast at like half past 10 at night. And I feel lush. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Usually gonna... the sun's out and it's like a bit like, uh, but now it's like mm, nighttime. <laughs> for ghosts cozy oh yeah for ghosts perfect now i'm wishing i did this at nighttime i'll rewatch the, our little little clip <laughs> at nighttime all right i was gonna say that brings us to um our first update which is that we changed the topic <laughs> yeah sorry about that <laughs> yeah so the topic we drew out of the random topic picker last week was dead man's curses or dead woman's curses and we spent um, probably not that much time, but enough time to be frustrated looking for these stories. And the, it was just shit. It was just shit. And we both weren't really feeling it. We couldn't find anything. Things we'd actually already gone over were popping mm-hmm. up. Because um, we've done really cool curses, like witches' curses that were like cast when they were like dying and all that. And it's just like, meh, it just felt like a retread. So we literally just picked a topic that we wanted to do. (laughs) And since we haven't done a paranormal episode in a while, we went with haunted castles. Hence the opening. (laughs) So if you were expecting dead person's curses, uh, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah. (laughs) Not going to happen. Yeah, I hope you're not too disappointed, but it really wasn't that meaty subject. I dare all of you to go try and find a dead person's curse that A, we have not covered, or B, does not take you to 10,000 links for Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Or the Gallows um, Curse, which is like a series of books by a female author that I'm, whose name is escaping me. Or basically Mummy's Curses. Yeah, yeah, it's all mummies curses. <sighs> Which we covered we in our mummies. Yeah, yeah. episode. So, you know, haunted castles, guys. I think that that's a, a, a fun alternative. And we just literally chose it. Like, here, that one looks good. Yeah, cool, all right. <laughs> We're also recording later than usual because of various... Life life things so literally yeah. recording it tonight and then I'm going to edit it tomorrow and put it up tomorrow night <laughs> so we'll see how it goes yeah hopefully we'll try and be back on schedule uh after this but you know 
if we don't we don't <laughs> it's not like we have thousands of listeners waiting for us so you know until that happens you get it when you get it also we do this for free so you yeah know. you want to pay me then we'll do it on time yes <laughs> schedules do we have any other updates not really uh not that i can think of i know i'm terrible at our social media you guys i i know I just know it, okay? Leave me alone. Stop yelling at me. <laughs> Says one person, you're doing fine. Yeah, right? <laughs> I hadn't really noticed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so no more updates in regards to the podcast currently. Mm-hmm. Shall we move on to the thing? Let's do our thing. Our thirge. Yes. I heard it again referred to as the thing, like, I was watching a Vikings, like, television program, and they were talking about going to the thing, and I was like, I remember why I liked the thing in the first place, because of this Viking thing. Yeah, so, yeah. We'll yeah, keep it to the thing. the thing. I just like saying third. Yeah, third is a good word, It's but it's like, I feel like, when I heard it, I was like, yeah, it's good, the thing, because it's the meeting, and it's where they all decide things. Yeah. I think I realized why I like the third so much. Why do you like There's the third? A spell I can do as a cleric called thaumaturgy, and it just kind of takes me there. Oh, <laughs> so jealous of your ability to play D and D with people. That's awesome. Yeah, no, that's stop right there. That that can be my thing is my jealousy that other people are playing lots of D and I watched people play D and D on Twitch. Yeah. On the official D and D channel. There was celebrities that I like quite a lot did a charity game and it was quite amusing, but it was like four hours, a whole night of us watching them. Um, it was good. I enjoyed it and I would do it again, but it made me really like sad that I couldn't play it myself. <laughs> so oh. it's okay. I'll figure out a way to get you in on the game. Okay. That's my, that's my goal. Don't make promises you can't keep. I will, I will try to figure out a way to make this happen. I will haunt you. <laughs> Don't haunt me. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. If you, if you say don't haunt me, I can't do it now because I'm like totally about consent. And if you're saying don't haunt me, then I literally can't go against that. Yeah. Non-consensual haunting is just not cool. <laughs> you can visit, but, you know, like straight up haunts. Maybe like linger and freaking me out and shit. Not cool. Okay. I'll visit you then in my spectral form. In your spectral form. (laughs) Uh, Don't think if I have a thing. I have something written down for my thing, but I'm not in the mood to talk about it now. Uh, Okay. I think I'm going to start it. It it felt right at the time of writing, which was at like one o'clock in the afternoon. And now I'm like, nah. too chilled out to listen to do that now so do you have a thing you'd like to get off your chest um my main thing is just insomnia man insomnia is bad uh insomnia is bad okay in in any situation but it has been out of control for this last month i don't i i cannot fall asleep till like three four in the morning it blows and i have kids who wake up at like six yeah. I'm I miss sleep and I can't nap. I am so jealous of people who can nap. It's amazing. Tim can nap. 
it's beautiful. I'm so, go do the thing that you can do. That's amazing. I can't do it. Yeah. I think you really need to be paying attention to your strategies. Yeah. Well, my method for the longest time is to play a couple games of Sudoku. And that usually just after like five or six games of Sudoku, my brain's just like, all right, fine, fuck it. I'll go to sleep. Stop torturing me. So um, that usually works, but it's not been working lately. No. Uh, and I have this I have this sweet spot where it's like if I get five hours of sleep, I am I wake up like a ray of fucking sunshine. Beam, let's go. So tonight I today I actually got five hours of sleep. So I'm I'm good. There was like an hour down there where I was just like, I might fall asleep. I might actually nap. And I did for literally seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this was this micro nap. But I woke up and I was like, boom, that was a nap. <laughs> I feel but, refreshed. Yeah, that was lovely. That's exactly what I needed. Seven minutes. So I've had five hours and seven minutes of sleep in the last 24 hours. It's fine. It's more I like a five. system restart than a sleep. Yeah. 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 Just kind of like <laughs> shut down and reboot it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mom exactly. bot is back. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs lunch? How can I assist you? <laughs> okay. So yeah, that's my thing. Insomnia sucks. And um, for everybody who, everyone else out there who's suffering with this, I, you are not alone. Um, it's okay. We're, we're at a time now where every, everything that sucks and feels weird, it's, it's, it's okay to be unhappy with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know and what the I mean? The advice that I give is to follow all of those wellness and, you know, mindfulness techniques, they do actually work. It's ridiculous, I know, but it does. Or do you like me and drink a massive glass of red wine right before you go to bed? <laughs> it'll be fine. It'll no, be you fine. you'll still toss and turn, but it'll be fine. <laughs> you'll still toss you'll feel... and turn, but you'll feel better about it. <laughs> you'll feel warm and fuzzy while you're doing it. <laughs> I recommend a Shiraz. Nice. Dry red. <laughs> Nice. All right. So shall we take a deep breath and just sort of breathe in the, the we are taking care of ourselves. We will find time to play the games that we want to play and let go of just that whole feeling like we're failing at being humans by not being able to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one, two, So, um, like we said, we've changed the subject. We're not doing Dead Man's Curses, so we're doing Haunted Castles. So usually, you know, we follow the format. We do like a little bit of a definition at the beginning. And I thought at first, there's no definition for Haunted Castles. But then I thought, do you know what? Just because it's obvious to me doesn't mean it's obvious to any, everyone. What the fuck is a castle, right? So, yeah. <clears throat> A castle is a type of fortified structure built during the Middle Ages, predominantly by the nobility or royalty and by military orders. Scholars debate the scope of the word castle, but usually consider it to be the private fortified residence of a lord or noble. So just to go a little bit more into that, because that's, you know, still pretty vague, actually. I have a little bit more for you. Yay. In the history of Europe, the Middle Ages, or medieval period, lasted from the 5th to 15th century. So that's about 476 AD to 1453 AD. Nice. Yeah, thanks. 
It began with the fall of the Western Roman Empire and merged into the Renaissance and the Age of Discovery. So just to put it into some historical context for you. Now, there was a lot of shit going down. Lots of wars, lots of murders, lots of shagging. A lot of dudes pissing off a lot of other dudes. Instead of sorting it out over a pint like they should have, they like to solve their problems with stabbing and burning. This is why the knobheads needed to fortify their own homes. And by fortified, I mean make into a fort, a defensive and protective stronghold. Not the kind of fortify when you add spirits to wine to make sherry, though they did do that too. (laughs) Now, a haunted place is a place suspected of being the residence of a spectral inhabitant or multiple. A location in which an the undead spirits of past people and potentially animals continue to wander about doing stuff. So today we are going to regale you with ghost stories that are set in castles. Hence the setup, the title of the podcast, the background there, everything. Anyway, so there you go. Oh. Now you know what a castle is. You know what being haunted is. And you know what we're going to be doing. So um, usually, at least I do, I go in with like 10 different things that I want to bring up into a podcast. I just shove them all at you. And then you're like, wow, I just learned about 10 different places. Um, And we decided, mainly Danielle decided that maybe we should just focus on, on one thing at a time and really give it the, the, the love it deserves. So I'm doing that. And that's, that's hard for me. I just want you to know (laughs) it's hard. We'll just test it and see. It's yeah. the less is more technique. However, I say that, but I've written 2,000 words. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got like 1,500 words. That's good. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> and I have my, my browser up here with like five other castles just in case I'm like, but we have time. Let's just talk about this one. So, yeah. And this is just about one castle. All right. So my favorite of the haunted castles I was researching has got to be Hauska Castle. Roughly 30 miles north of Prague in Chichia, its origins and exact history are a little shaky. Deep in the forest, atop a steep, rocky cliff, far from anything practical or strategic like water, trade routes, or anything remotely useful, there stands a large square stone fortress from the late 13th century. It is one of the best preserved castles of the period. Notable features include a predominantly Gothic chapel, green chamber with late Gothic paintings, and a knight's drawing room. There is archaeological evidence of Celtic inhabitation in this area dating back into antiquity, and Slavic tribes migrated there in the 6th century. The first known structure existing on this site, before this castle, was a small wooden fort believed to have been built by an older man for his son, and I believe his name was... I forgot his name and I didn't write it down. It was Hausker or something like that. So that's why they believe it's called Hausker Castle, because there's no real actual reason for this castle to be called Hausker Castle or Hausker House. Um, But there was a small wooden fort that stood there back in the 9th century, mentioned by Vaclav Hajek in his extensive Czech Chronicle published in 1541. Hajek recounts a legend. The story of a strange crack in the top of the limestone cliff, a hole in the ground, unimaginably deep, and reputed to be the source of strange visitations. Local residents began calling it a hole to hell, and the villagers avoided passing anywhere near it after dark. They believed that strange creatures, half animal, half man, issued forth from the portal to kill livestock and wreak general havoc in the night. They believed if you passed too near the pit, then you might, in turn, become one of the monsters rumored to slither out of it. 
they attempted to fill the hole with stones but to no avail people would bring wagons hundreds of wagons full of stones and trash and garbage and dump it into the hole and just when they thought it was full it would all fall in it swallowed everything with no visible effect it's reported that eventually a duke of the powerful duba clan in order to discover the secret behind the mysterious gateway to hell offered a condemned prisoner a full pardon for his crimes if he would complete just one task he had to consent to be lowered into the bottomless pit on the end of a rope and to report back on what he found there to this the convict inevitably agreed and once he had descended into the opening for quite some distance there came a long terrible period of silence and then screaming uncontrollably from deep within the ground when the duke's men pulled the convict back to the surface they found that his hair had completely turned white some say he had aged thirty years and he was stark raving mad he died soon after some accounts claim that this experiment is repeated over and over and over again with same or similar results so the structure as it is today was built in the late 1200s by ottokar ii of bohemia a virtually impregnable fortress but without a kitchen no running water or indeed any way of keep people keeping people living comfortably there for more than a small chunk of time believed to have been made to serve as an administration center for overseeing massive royal estates or something very much along those lines even after fully constructed it's believed nobody actually lived there for a while eventually passing from one aristocrat to another it rarely stayed in one's hands for long by all accounts it was just a large stone fortress now it is believed the house castle was built to prevent anything from getting out of that hole and into the world a chapel was built at the very base the very bottom of this fortress now it is believed that the Husky Castle was built to prevent anything from getting out of that hole and into the world. A chapel was built deep down in the ground above this hole for what is to protect from what is commonly referred to as the gate to hell. Historically, it's hard to believe that someone would go to all that trouble to build a fortress so far from anything useful for the sole purpose of saving the world, but there are some things to consider. When the square stone structure was erected, most of its defenses were not in fact facing to the outside world but all pointing inward to the central courtyard. When the castle was built, the crack in the limestone was covered with thick stone plates, and the castle's chapel was constructed on top of it in order to seal the hole to hell. The chapel was then dedicated to the archangel Michael, the leader of God's armies in the fight against the hordes of hell. And on the chapel's walls, some of the oldest found in Europe were uh, facades dating back to the early 1400s, depicting Michael in two scenes, one in which he is fighting a dragon, typical Michael, a symbol of evil and in the other scene he holds a sword in one hand and a set of scales in the other and is weighing the souls of the last judgment depicted also are scenes of the crucifixion and saint christopher but what is strange about the chapel frescoes is that on one of the walls um you can see a figure that you very rarely see in religious uh frescoes which is a woman with the body of a horse with a bow and arrow pulling back with her left hand it's weird enough to see a centaur in uh religious iconography um but even more so to see a anybody doing anything but their left hand their left hand is believed to symbolize satan the darker you know left hand path as you as they say because um, in the Middle Ages, left-handedness was associated with Satan, and researchers believe that this picture was linked to the stories of half-human animals which were believed to emerge from the gateway to hell. The entrance to the underworld is not the only legend attached to Castle Hauska. In the 17th century, at the time of the 
at the time of the Thirty Years' War, during a period when the Castle Hasco was stood empty, it was chosen to be the headquarters of Aranto, a Swedish rogue, commander of brigands and mercenaries. Aranto, on top of just being kind of a nasty sort, was also believed to be a sorcerer and alchemist. Aranto's men were awful and terrorized the locals. Eventually getting fed up with being raped, robbed, pillaged, and murdered, two uh, two villagers snuck up to the castle in the middle of the night and shot Oronto and killed him as he was working on the elixir of life in his laboratory. Now, a couple of hundred years later, in 1836, during a walking tour of the region, Czech poet Karol Heinek Macha spent a night at Hauska, and supposedly in his dreams he was visited by a terrible vision, which he later recounted in a letter to his friend. Macha described his soul descending into the pit and then being transported into a hellish, mechanized future. Prague, 2006, mm. where, he, where he wandered in horror and despair. Among other unnerving experiences in this vision, Maka wrote that he met a girl who showed him moving pictures in a small casket, and that in darkness he walked among high sandstone cliffs riddled with holes that projected an eerie yellow light. Keep in mind that this is from 1836. Set electric lights, oh! So it is also known that the German SS took over Hauske Castle during the Nazi occupation of Czechoslovakia in 1939 until 1945. It is not, however, known precisely what they were doing there, as in typical SS fashion, they destroyed all records and all evidence of their activities um, when they were forced to retreat. Um, as I said before, the castle was not... As the castle did not have any strategic advantage. It did not look over, overlook anything of import. It was nowhere near trade routes. There was no water. It's deep in the forest and ends in a sheer rocky fucking cliff. Um, so there's no no reason to go there. But wow, maybe that was the point. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but Hitler and the Nazis, they love that place. Um, and we can all kind of take a guess at why they were mildly obsessed with the occult and paranormal. And a gateway to hell does sure sound tantalizing. But um, it's also proposed that Hauska was one of the SS's secret breeding farms, a location where young women of acceptable blood were given stud service by able-bodied SS troopers in the ongoing effort to breed the master race. Whatever its significance to the Nazis, after the war, it was necessary to clear that castle area of landmines. And uh, that is also the reason why the current owners will not allow any excavation inside the castle, determining the existence of uh, the supposed bottomless crack in the limestone for fear of the possible existence of undiscovered German explosives. That doesn't matter. Uh, a job. The archaeologists work around um, unexploded munition all the time. There's, strate- yeah. there's, there's risk assessments for that. Yeah. Literally, my friends spent the summer in Germany excavating on a site where every, like, two hours they had to stop. So, you know. Trip. Honestly, it's really not that rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. I just love it's so convenient that they won't let anyone excavate there because there might be bombs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I was watching a documentary um, while you were watching a movie. I was just like, you know what? Uh, Since I'm going to stop and stop myself from researching other places to throw in more information... I watched a documentary on it, and it's currently owned by this guy and his daughter, and boy, do they love having a haunted castle. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. So, like, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm all like, oh, you guys, <laughs> you feel like dirtbags. You just do. I'm sorry. Um, but as far as the hauntings themselves go, people see uh, tell of seeing climbing and crawling animal-human hybrids around the grounds, strange large creatures flying overhead, screams, howling, and an obvious unease, just general unease 
uh, throughout the place. Many people report a string of a terrible bad luck after having visited that place. Um, this one woman who runs most of the ghost haunts in Czechoslovakia uh, went there with her husband and her dog and her dog started freaking out because that's what dogs do. And um, when they left, their car had been stolen and they found it like, you know, a couple miles away. Some people like to think of it as a portal to hell. Others believe that it may actually be a portal to another timeline, to another world, ever since that story of the guy who saw somebody with a cell phone. Um, but it is a spooky-ass place. I was looking at pictures of it and just, I, I got goosebumps. And pictures don't generally, pictures of ruins and stuff don't generally give me goosebumps, but I was like, nah, that, that place is haunted as shit. Whether it's portal to hell haunted or just the fact that so many people go there believing it to be that place has got some gnarly energy to it there's also kind of a really neat ghost it's the guard um and he's the only like actual ghost that i could find everything else is just sort of like creepy crawly spooky things um light bulbs explode in that place all the time they cannot keep light bulbs from exploding there but there's this one guy just tall dark general shape of a, a man and they call him the guard it's believed that he you know obviously guards the guards the portal to hell but they did i think in one of the documentaries i saw that they um they actually found three skeletons of ss troopers there which is not surprising and i like to think that maybe he's one of the the the, the guard is one of those guys mm. i don't know why it just felt right so that's castle Haska. i just like portals to hell you know I, yeah or sinkholes or sinkholes you know <laughs> But Portal to Hell sounds a lot more exciting and animal hybrid things. Yeah. Got all of those. I was, while you were um, telling your story, um, I was doing like um, ghost story bingo in my head. And I was going like, um, you know, like all the tropes that you can think of in your mind about like what makes a place haunted. And then yeah. I think you said like um, at one point you said like... Um, yeah, the the light bulbs keep exploding, and I was like, yeah. bingo! In my head, it yep. was like I had enough to make a line at that point. Um, yeah. They say they called electricians to figure out what's wrong with it, and they can't find anything that would lead to the light bulbs exploding. Yeah, no, it's just an old building. It's just a really, really, really old building, but it is one of the it best. It cool, is. Though. It's like the best preserved in all of Czechoslovakia, and in Czechoslovakia they have lots of castles, as far as I know. Yes, fine. Czech, Czech Republic. It doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I just like I like multisyllabic things. Yeah, it's a nice word. Yeah, the Czech Republic. But yeah, now I've just written it down so I can have a look because I want to look at some pictures. It sounds fun. I think that it was probably built there because it was so remote and they made up a bunch of stories to keep people away. Um... Well, the, the legends, the legends were there way before the castle was built. So legends have been going on there since about the 6th century. The castle wasn't built until the 13th. Someone was playing the long game. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. All right, I'll buy it. (laughs) I'm going to start spreading these rumors about these woods being haunted. And then in 600 years, I'm going to build a fucking castle and no one's going to bother me. (laughs) But it didn't have a kitchen. That was was like one of the things that I found really striking is the fact that they didn't have a kitchen or any means of collecting water so there wasn't even like there was no water around it but they didn't even have like a well or something to like you know draw water from they would have to have water brought to them 
all evidence points to nobody was living there, but it was like a place on a route, but there are no known routes. There was no that, route. It's yeah, far away so. from a route. You'd have to you'd have to go through a really dense fucking forest to get to it. Not whole routes are announced to general you know what I mean? Like you know, there's always like something secret routes. Some secret secret route. Yeah. <laughs> Or someone really wanted to build a strange place. I don't know. I, I bet like the explanation's really mundane and really simple. Um, yeah, we just and, haven't thought of it. And oh god, it was so frustrating too because trying to find actual historical information on this place is fucking impossible. So yeah, but well, it's just most of it's made up. You couldn't find anything. The only thing I could find were some really great articles in um, uh, a completely different language that my Microsoft Word would not translate, so I had to translate paragraph by paragraph, and after, like, three pages of that, I'm all, I can't. I can't yeah. read this 80-page article by translating one paragraph at a time. I just can't. Yeah. No, that's really fun, though. Breaking. That's fun that you actually, like, put the effort into trying to get information from a from a foreign source that um, is way more effort than I put in. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did a castle that I've been to twice. Nice. So, you know. Well, this one, it just, it called to me. I, I looked up, like, I was looking at a list of haunted castles, and this one just sort of called to me. This one and another one, which I'll do um, maybe next time we get this episode up, uh, another, another bleh, next time we get this topic up or something. I'm really fascinated by this other one. But this one called to me, so I thought I'd put in that extra, extra legwork. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I definitely like the idea of this gate, like, what is it gateway to hell or or in cold hell yeah um, <laughs> i'll do my bit do your bit okay so i chose probably the most famous haunted castle in the world <laughs> possibly other than the tower of london i think chillingham castle is probably the most famous haunted uh castle or just castle in general um Probably because it got featured on lots of like 90s and early 2000s haunted TV shows like yeah. Most Haunted and things like that. So um, I remember there was the one that was for kids that was um, hosted by Linda Blair, but it was narrated by the woman from Poltergeist. Yeah, yeah. Was it, oh I my god. What it was called. But uh, yeah, there was definitely a Chillingham Castle episode. And I remember because the narrator lady from Poltergeist kept going, Chillingham Castle. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's Chillingham. Um, which I very amusingly was trying to phonetically spell for Melanie to pronounce Chillingham without going Chillingham and um, getting myself going like, no, I think it's probably like Chillingham. Chillingham. It's hard. Scariest places on earth. That's it. Yep. Oh, blast from the past there. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> of a certain age. Anyway, so a little bit of background. I did like what Melanie did. I've I've done like a bunch of background. The background on this castle is not half as interesting as that, but interesting nonetheless. Chillingham Castle is a medieval castle in the village of Chillingham in the northern part of Northumberland, England. It was the seat of the Grey and Bennett families from the 15th century until the 1980s, when it became the home of Sir Edward Humphrey Tyrrell Wakefield, second baronet, whose wife is a descendant of the original Grey family. He needs more, more names. Him later. Sorry? He needs more names. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about him more later. He's cool. Well, All right. 
Anyway, it was built in the late 12th century and was originally a monastery, which is a place where monks live. In 1298, King Edward I stayed there on his way to Scotland for the Battle of Falkirk, where he famously defeated William, War William Wallace and his army. Uh, the not yet a castle, but more of a stronghold, occupied a strategically important location. It was located on the border between two feuding nations, the two feuding nations of England and Scotland. And if you guys don't know this, but Scotland and England have only really been getting on for a couple hundred years. We've yeah. been at war for most of the time. Um, so it was used as a staging post for the English armies entering Scotland, and it was repeatedly attacked and besieged by Scottish armies and raiding parties heading south. So the site contained a moat, and in some locations, the fortifications were 12 feet thick, which um, in real numbers is just over three and a half meters thick. Real numbers? Excuse me. <laughs> Uh, I got it. I got that bit off Wikipedia, so that's why it says twelve feet. Because Wiki is like really America centric. Well, yeah. If you say meters to me, I just stare blankly at you. Yeah. Well, it's real numbers. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the building underwent underwent a harsh series of enhancements, and in 1344, King Edward III ordered that the battlements be built and basically upgraded the stronghold to a fully fortified castle. So it wasn't until then that it was actually a castle. In 1536, the Nawa Castle found itself under siege when the Percy family of nearby Annick Castle attacked with cannon fire during the Pilgrimage of Grace rebellion against Henry VIII. Annick Castle, by the way, is where they filmed the exterior shots of Hogwarts for Harry Potter. Mm. Um, I know this because I holiday in Northumberland a lot. It's like my favourite place ever, so we go to Annick quite a lot. Anyway. James I, son of Mary, Queen of Scots, the gunpowder plot survivor and witch hater, stayed at the castle in 1617, before he went really batshit crazy against the witches. As relations between Scotland and England became more peaceful, the need for a military stronghold in the area declined. The castle was gradually transformed, the moat filled, the battlements converted into residential wings, a banquet hall and library were built. And when you look at Chillingham, you can see where these additions take place. It's kind of cool to look at the walls on the outside and see where the old castle is and then where the newer stuff was built. Yeah. In the 18th and 19th centuries, the grounds underwent a lot of landscaping. It's absolutely gorgeous. The once extensive park is now under a separate ownership from the castle. And grazing on this land, I'm about to do like a weird aside. Grazing on this land are this really rare breed of wild cattle. They were brought by the Romans. They're white. They're stark white and they're huge. And there's about 90 of them, apparently. And they've been nice. there for a really, really long time, like presumably since the Romans left them there. And, What's the name of this kind of cattle? Um, I didn't write down the, the breed. I didn't think that you'd actually ask me what the name of the breed is. Um, but they're wild cattle and they're not domesticated. And there's none like them anywhere else in the world. They've ne and they're never touched by humans because apparently whenever a person has touched one, the herd turns on that one that's been touched and kills it. They Whoa. will not tolerate the smell of people. Yeah. Whoa. There's like I a, love I, these cows. Yeah, they're, they're badass. They're like the most wild cows. That you, this is what cows would be like if we had never touched them. There's a guy that like oversees them to make sure that they're okay. 
So there's like they're not just like wandering around without any supervision whatsoever. There's a guy that like makes sure that they're cool and that people stay away from them. Um, but he can't help them if they're injured or they can't help them when they're coughing or anything like that. Because apparently if he would like to go and help, one of them is like basically giving them a like a death notice. Like he can't help them. Chillingham yep. cattle? They're so cute. Aren't they lovely? Yeah, Chillingham cattle, in case you guys are curious, because I know I was. Trip. <laughs> they're literally called the Chillingham cattle? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Look at the little baby. He's so cute. Yeah. They're, they're okay, white. Sorry. They're so cute. But think about it this way. There's like basically ghost cows like, awesome. as, as you're driving up to the castle. Murdery ghost cows. Murdery that's, ghost cows. <laughs> that's the shit right there. And they're the kind where both the males and the females have horns. Yeah. Oh, oh these guys are right? badasses. That's awesome. And like big badass horns. Okay, sorry. It's okay. No, they're cool. Anyway, they're like my new favorite thing. Anyway. <laughs> Um, right, so now we're up to like the 19th century, so just to get us back into the timeline. Royals keep bunking there when they're on their way to Scotland for their holidays. The Prince and Princess of Wales stayed at Chillingham in 1872. It was then abandoned in 1933 by its then owner, the Earl of Tankerville, and left to become derelict. During the Second World War, the castle was used as an army barracks. During this time, much of the decorative wood is said to have been stripped out and burned by the soldiers billeted there. Make do and mend, guys. After the war, the castle really began to fall into disrepair, like fall apart. Lead was removed from the roof, resulting in extensive weather damage to large parts of the buildings. There were holes everywhere. The roof was gone. Plaster rotted away. Basically, it was the shell of a building, and it was just a really sad, sad state of affairs. But do not fear... There is a traditional British, there's a traditional British loon to the rescue, and not just your average loon, a loon with money and a name. In 1982, the castle came into the possession of one Sir Humphrey Wakefield, the second baronet, whose wife Catherine is descended from the Greys of Chillingham. After he wrote the Earl of Tankerville, stating that the castle should be saved and it was a travesty that it was in the state it was, the Earl agreed and gave it to Wakefield. Just nice. gave him the castle. Take uh, it. Wait, yeah, take it. I've got no money. I, there's nothing I can do about it. You want to do it? Wakefield described the gift as being like, like being given a great white elephant, and it became quite a hungry elephant. Nice. Wakefield set about a painstaking and miraculous restoration of the castle. I mean, this guy, he's a legend. We're going to talk about him in a little bit. Anyway, carrying on on the timeline, later in 1997, the Great Hall was used as a filming location for Elizabeth. The fireplaces in there now are actually the fiberglass film props, and they cover 18th century white marble fireplaces. (laughs) Yeah, Wakefield said he didn't like them, the white um, marble fireplaces that were in the Great Hall. So the mock Tudor film props are aesthetically more his taste, so he left them. And That's while he doesn't funny. exactly point that out to people, but if he's asked, he'll give them a knock and you'll be assured. <sighs> um, this is because, you know, in the before times, sections of the castles were, op- were open to the public for daytime jolly tours and for late night ghost tours. So he's opened the house up to the public. Nice. And there are eight apartments 
or rooms within the castle and some of its outbuildings are available for holiday rentals. So if the world ever opens again, I'm definitely going to stay there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I forgot. Chillingham also claims to be the most haunted castle in Europe. So I've been to Chillingham Castle a couple times. Um, I went there once during the day as a typical tourist. And let me tell you, it is fucking a weird place. So Humphrey <laughs> Wakefield was an antiques dealer and expert who worked at Christie's and filled the castle once the architecture had been restored with his personal collections and the inherited items of his extensive and la-dee-da family. It is full in corners of staircases and cupboards, everywhere with random shit and I loved it (laughs) (laughs) it's like being inside someone's brain it is amazing it's random you've got to go look at pictures of the interior it is just crazy Um, there's lots of sofas everywhere and chilling out places and that's because it's still his home he still lives there so even though it's open to the public for tours he's he's still there he still hangs out there and he is definitely like like still holds parties there and everything like that so that is a lot of stuff i'm looking at (laughs) that is a lot of stuff the best thing was like there's a spiral staircase um but it's not like spiraled it's like a square spiral staircase where like you go around the corners and there's like horse tack and welly boots and (laughs) Things like hanging on the walls, like coats and stuff. And you're going, what is this? And then there's like a bit where I think this is where he keeps his ribbons for his horses. It's for when you're walking your horses up the staircase, you can have your tack just on hand. <laughs> yeah, well, I found out he's like an avid horseman. Like he like absolutely like he has a stables and he has multiple horses, but he loves to ride bareback. Um, He's just an eccentric. That's awesome. Like, he's just mad. Anyway, um, I love that the house is the home of an eccentric now. Yeah. So, like, he could literally stand on the battlements on the top of the castle and be like, get off my lawn! And you'd be like, oh, <laughs> Sir Wakefield, hi! Um, <laughs> oh, nice. I want to be that guy someday. Except he would never tell you to get off his lawn. He'd be like, come on in! Have some sherry! Oh. Oh. I love him. He's the I only one. Like, too. <laughs> it's like the only posh guy that I like re- like posh I mean come on like yeah posh he's a baron like you know that I could actually say I love him but because he's like he, there's a whole room full of photos of the restoration work he did to the building and what he had to go through and I spent way too long in this room when I was there but I was fascinated by how much work he'd put into the castle so he like gets props from me yeah yeah sunk all his money into it cool dude anyway the second time i went was with my mom and it was on a late night ghost hunt yeah so i don't know if i've mentioned it before i think i have but my mom loves to go on ghost hunts she's been a part of like actually relatively what you would call relatively professional ghost hunting teams all the way down to just like paying to go on a ghost hunt so it has varied but there was like a point in time where my mom was part of a team that were investigating the queen mary so you know there was there's this there's, there's my mom like really into it and she's, I, she's legit in it um but 
I do enjoy going with her on ghost hunts sometimes because it's like genuinely, even as a skeptic, a ghost hunt is fun. So this one was around Halloween time. And so I was like, hell yeah, I want to go to Chillingham Castle in the middle of the night. Like who would turn that down? So um, we were there till about three in the morning. I think we were there pretty late. So we were in there probably about 10. They fed us. Um, Maybe a bit earlier than that, but they were there pretty late. I remember sleeping in a car park afterwards, but anyway, I digress. Nice. Um, I can't really remember too much about the tour, the um, house hunt itself. I asked my mum to remind me about anything that happened because my memory is so bad that all I can really remember is we spent a lot of time in the Great Hall drinking tea and eating biscuits, and that was <laughs> fucking freezing. I mentioned very flippantly that it was October, but let me tell you, October at Chillingham is fucking cold. You could see your breath inside. Is it chilly in Chillingham? It's chilly in Chillingham. (laughs) (laughs) But she did remind me that I went table tilting with one other person and the table kept moving, but it wasn't me. So reasoning me to believe that it was that one other person. Um, we were having one of our many tea breaks in the Great Hall when a bell rang in the chapel next door and nobody was in there. (laughs) We did spirit boards with upside down glasses and everyone's hands were freezing. I don't think the glass moved and I think people said that even if it tried to, they were frozen solid and probably wouldn't budge anyway. So that was (laughs) Um, And also, I wandered around the torture chamber and sat in the dungeon on my own because I'm a badass. Or mostly because I don't believe in ghosts. Anyway, another interesting aside. In the dungeon, there is an entrance to to an oubliette. Do you know what an oubliette is? Oubliette, yes. Okay. For our listeners who might not know what an oubliette is, oubliette is French for forgotten room. And it is rather unpleasant. An oubliette is basically a long, narrow hole <laughs> dug into, well, the bottom of a castle or whatever. Yeah. Where they, the lower, pretty, they lower prisoners down into it. Um, some oubliettes you just get thrown in and forgotten about. And some oubliettes, they lower you down and it's all, you can't sit down on the floor. You have to stand um, and they might throw food and water down to you to prolong your life. Um, yeah. Either way, it's pretty unpleasant. Um, y- you're probably not coming out of the oubliette alive. Uh, yeah. But it was like, well, I suppose it was kind of a torture technique as well. I, I think you could probably break a few soldiers putting them in the oubliette. But I think it's widely told that once you were popped in an oubliette you're probably not coming out because that's why it's yeah oubliette is the forgotten room you're thrown down there and that's it you're done to be forgotten yeah forgotten and i sat in the dungeon with the oubliette hole (laughs) apparently i don't remember anything happening so yeah yeah so um still would have been creepy I mean, yeah, but also me, I would have just been like looking down the hole because I'm an archaeology student, you know, like, I'm like, mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, My mom didn't say much else. Um, to be fair, I was asking her over Messenger and I think she hates typing on her phone, so she kept it really short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
so if I had called her like a normal person, I probably would have got more out of her. But uh, from that brief exchange, I can pretty safely say nothing happened. Um, but it was really cool to be there in the castle after hours. And we did have lots of nice biscuits. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Sir Wakefield did not show up, which is very sad. Yeah. You probably want some ghost stories now, right? Yes. <laughs> I have put them off for way too long now. Um, they don't put many of them online because they want to tell you them on the tour. So ah. it's kind of hard to find. But I've, I've got enough for us to get our teeth into. And they have all the ghost tropes you can imagine. First, there's the creepy child ghost, also known as the radiant boy. Yeah. A childish wraith that is seen in the castle's pink room and whose heart-rendering cries of either fear or pain echo through the corridors upon the stroke of midnight. In the past, cries always seem to emanate from a spot near where a passage is cut through the ten feet thick wall into the adjoining tower. As they faded away, a bright halo of light would appear and the figure of a young boy dressed in blue would approach those sleeping in the room. Later, <laughs> later, the bones of a child surrounded by decaying fragments of blue cloth were found behind the wall. They were given a Christian burial and thereafter the radiant boy was seen no more until, that is, Sir Humphrey began letting the room. Some guests complain of a blue flash that shoots out of the wall in the dead of the night. Although they attribute it to an electrical fault, Sir Humphrey is quick to point out that there is no electrical wiring in that particular section of the wall. There's a jilted lover ghost. Another, there is. Yeah. Another unquiet soul uh, said to stalk the castle is the spirit of Lady Berkeley, wife of Lord Grey, whose husband ran off with her own sister, Lady Henrietta. Lady Berkeley was left abandoned at the castle with only her baby daughter for company. The rustle of her dress is sometimes heard as her invisible revenant sweeps along the rambling corridor, searching for her husband and leaving a cold chill, not to mention unsettling witnesses in her ghostly wake. Some casual sexism there. Yeah. In read that and I was like unreasonably annoyed. <laughs> So I would like to rewrite that as another unquiet soul stalking the castle was that of Lady Berkeley, wife of Lord Grey, whose husband ran off with her sister, Lady Henrietta. And then so Lady Berkeley lived in the house with her child and occasionally walked around the castle because in order to get from room to room, you need to walk along the corridors. Uh, she wasn't searching for any husband because he's left and she's not an idiot. And uh, she was just going to the kitchen to get an apple. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Ridiculous. I love the way that people write ghost stories. Um, there's a servant ghost. In what is called the inner pantry, uh, apparently a frail figure in white still appears. The silver was stored here and a footman employed to sleep here and guard it. Apparently, one night in the past, no one seems to be able to be more specific about when some footman had turned in to sleep, he was accosted by this lady in white. Uh, she was very pale and she begged him for water. Thinking this was one of the castle guests, he turned to get her some. But hark! Suddenly he remembered. 
He's locked in and no visitor could have possibly entered. There's no end to that story. Yeah. Uh, the same pale figure is seen today, apparently, and it is thought to be, and it's thought that the long for water suggests poisoning because of reasons. So. <laughs> <laughs> More ghost tropes. There are nondescript yes. vague shadow ghosts. Uh, there's two of them. The ghosts in the chamber. Not all the ghosts are those we see. Some are merely felt as impalpable impressions of the air, as poet Tennyson says. And there is this sense of something unseen, yet distinctly moving. It can be a chill, dark, creeping sensation, or maybe just an oppressive atmosphere or an ominous shadow. Right. And then there's also the ghosts in the courtyard. When the moonlight casts shadows on the battlements across the worn flagstones, it is positively hard not to see the shades and shadows come to life. I'm still more freaked out by the cows, honestly. Yeah, Mom, I hope my (laughs) silence communicates my facial expression. Um, (laughs) And finally, there's a monk or two. In the chapel, beside the great hall, the voices of two men are often heard talking. It is never possible to follow their words, and they stop talking if one makes serious efforts to trace them. Now, I remember this from the tour. Apparently, there are sightings of monk... There's like a monk-like dude wandering around. It was, as you remember, a monastery before it was a castle. So, you know, logic. There was also some fucking stupid thing about this painting in the chapel. Uh, There's a painting on the wall that if you look at it just right, it looks like there's a demon painted into some smoke. I don't remember the details of the painting, but basically the tour guide was telling us all to look at the smoke and see demon's face. And I was like, okay. And I was dumbfounded by how many people were like, ooh, yeah. I see it. And I was like, fucking painting? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then a couple of things from Wake, uh, Sir Wakefield himself. Um, when people steal from the castle, like when they've stolen from the house, uh, they end up sending whatever is back, whatever they've stolen back with letters that beg Lord Wakefield to end their bad luck. There have been spectres uh, seen at windows howling into the night. Um, Sir Wakefield himself asked a priest to rid the place of the ghosts, but he was unable to. However, the priest assured Humphrey that they were in his favour. And Wakefield kind of gets that. He says he reckons they've blessed him and his restoration of the house, that they are appreciative and thankful for the work he did to bring Chillingham back to its former glory and make it a home again, full of laughter, lit fireplace, the smell of food and life. Yeah. I wrote that last little bit because I wanted to end on an up because I realized how cynical I was being. (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit. But and I bet there how are ridiculous ghost stories are though because they really are. Sometimes you're just going like, oh, that's wank. A good ghost yeah. story. Don't get me wrong. Like Mr. James can write a cracking ghost story, yeah. but when you're talking about people that go, oh, I I saw a child ghost and like all these things, and you're going, you were sleeping. Yeah, there there are certain things that you can tell when you're listening to like 
a real true blue honest somebody experienced something and somebody who really just wanted to experience something and just kind of made it sound way more scary than it should have been i mean that's my big problem with ghost shows in general Uh, and any story any ghost story that tells you at the stroke of midnight this will happen it's full of shit that's not how it works you know if if you told me at like 2 15 in the afternoon this happens i'd be more likely to believe that Mm. you know like yeah I like Sir Wakefield though, and he's pretty he's pretty convinced that the house is haunted and he lives there. So I would actually sit in a room and listen to him tell me stories because I don't <laughs> think I don't think he needs Chillingham to be haunted. You know what I mean? Like I think that it's kind of an aside for him. Oh, and by the way, it's also haunted. I think he, he loves the the castle and everything that it's going on with it and the ghost yeah. is just sort of like a perk. Yeah, like, the ghosts are a part ghosts. Of, It's like the living history of it. Yeah. So I would sit in a room with Sir Wakefield with my white with my red wine. Fucking white wine. Where'd that come from? I hate white wine. With my red wine and be like, <laughs> so Sir Wakefield, Humphrey, do tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sip. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it comes to haunted castles, I would I would be willing to bet that every single castle is in some way haunted. And that just comes down to my own belief of what hauntings actually are, which is just the accumulation of energies and emotions and, and you know, gnarly intent um, when it comes to, like... the longevity yeah. of the castle, because it's been there for... So, like, a little boy ghost, I'm not likely to believe, but you tell me big, vague, vaguely shaped humanoid, you know, shadows, totally believe that. I'm, I am 100% behind that, because... That shit is everywhere, and you can tell when you experience something that's just a shadow and something that is an ominous fucking shadow. And I believe that I would not be surprised that every single castle has things of that nature in them. They're just shades of the torture or the history or the sadness or the rage of of the ages of this place. Um, but yeah, <laughs> little boy and the 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 uh, uh, was it the my jilted lover. The jilted lover and the maid or the servant. It's like, you're telling me stories. You're not telling me anything. Yeah. Yeah. And my main thing about ghost stories is, like, I want somebody to explain to me how a ghost story gets from being an experience to being a legend. Because I want to know when it happened, who it happened to. I want some fucking details. I want some data. And... If you can just say to me, like, in the past this happened, I go, but but you don't understand that you can literally just make that up right now and say that this happened, but it happened 100 years ago, and I have to believe you because there's no proof. And unfortunately, that's not how my brain works. I need some kind of proof. Now, you've told me ghost stories on this podcast where there's been newspaper reports that have, and I'm going... Fuck yeah, like, at least there's a source there. Like, in 1820, like, there's a newspaper article of this thing happening. Great. Now there's a source. I don't necessarily believe... I don't necessarily believe that it's still a ghost or something supernatural, but what it does is it breaks me from breaks me away from the disbelief of the modern person telling me. Because so many things so many reasons can go into telling a ghost story and you you hit your nail hit hit that earlier when you were talking about um Hoska Castle 
people want things to be haunted so badly that they'll just make shit up or they they need it for tourist dollars. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, how's good like, school? So many places infamous for 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 suddenly becoming haunted. Yeah. You know, and you're like, well, I've never heard any ghost stories about that place before, but like a pub is suddenly haunted when it was like about to go out of business, huh? Yeah. Huh. huh. Yeah, I mean, it, I I do believe in ghosts, and I do believe in the spirit spooky spookiness, and that's just because I have my own experiences with them, and because I have my own experiences with them, I can tell. Uh, I, I know how it works. If you know, if I, if you know, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, most of the ghost stories that I hear, it's so easy to just be like trope, 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 trope. Midnight, ooh, trope, trope. Knocking on the window, ooh. And there's there's so many other things that that factor into that. Um, so yeah, real real recounting of of the events in that moment is way more important to me than having been told couple hundred for a couple hundred years as the legend of this place or the legend of this doll or the legend of whatever you know mm-hmm. that that is that is vague and bullshitty to me but if you talk to the actual person who that actually happened to and they're not making bucks on it i'm going to be believing that person or more yeah, likely and, to believe in that person and if i can sort of trace the, the origins of the story as well so if it's not so spontaneously existing so there's been a few good ones where you've said things like um they've gone and they've reported it to the police or something like that and i've gone right great there's actually some like you can actually trace this back now yeah Um, yeah. or you know like even if it's even if it's an oral story but you can say my grandmother told me this happened to her yeah. Or my nan told me that her cousin's best friend, Luke, his dad told him this happened. Even that, that's fine because that's how stories spread. I understand yeah. that, especially pre, you know, now. printing press. You know, yeah. so if you're talking about a ghost story that's meant to originate during the bloody medieval period, that ain't going to have been written down. I understand that. But if you can say like a specific person and why that story got and and from from who to who great yeah great that's that's why like i i feel i feel bad whenever people you know go in to listen to ghost podcasts and they get really moved by it because some of it a lot of the times i just get cheesed out um or shows or anything like that and i just kind of get cheesed out that's why whenever i'm going into haunted things or ghosty things i like to look for things that can be validated at least through like newspaper articles or police reports something like that or folklore because folklore to me is fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the legends and and uh, you know creatures and and these these I recognize as stories and they're not as tropey because they're they are sort of like culturally passed down and that's that's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like validated stuff. But just yeah, well, there was a spooky house and the lights kept going on and off and you know at midnight the fire went out and it's just like ah, that it doesn't move me in any way anymore. And I think that's just because. I'm so into ghosts. <laughs> Heard it. It has to. It has to pass certain criteria at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you'll even look at it, and you know, th- there are very few ghost stories that I believe, but I don't 
I think I've t- I've said this before. I don't dis dis like I don't disbelieve people's experiences. So if you tell me that something's happened to you, I'm not gonna go that didn't happen to you. What a horrible. Firstly, what an asshole I'd be. I actually genuinely would believe that that happened to you. In my brain, I would be thinking about all the things that I would think that that thing was, but that yeah. doesn't make that any less real to you. So I don't call you a liar because you're not a liar. This is what happened to you, unless you're exaggerating and then I get pissed off. But Yeah, and it also comes down to knowing who you're talking to. Like if I'm telling yeah. you one of my ghost stories, you know that I'm not I'm not going to give you a frou-frou ghost story just for the sake of giving you a frou-frou ghost story. I'm going to tell you what I experienced. And you can try and discredit it all you like, but that was my experience. Um, yes. And you know that I'm coming from a place of not trying to sensationalize anything. I'm just like, yeah, it's crazy shit happened, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and it comes down you to source. and I both know that we've both had experiences where we've looked at each other and gone, the fuck was that? Mm-hmm. So you know that I've also had these experiences, but in my brain, I've come up with... Um, Excuses. No, excuse reason <laughs> for what I experienced, but we've had the same experiences, but we've both thought different things. However, there are a few things, especially when you lived at Canaan, that I still carry with me um, and go, I can't really explain that. Maybe someone will be able to in the future, but like I like mass hallucinations are quite difficult to explain even if drugs are involved mm-hmm. um because i've gone through like tick lists of experiences that we've had um and i've gone like if one of us had started to describe what we were experiencing and then we all just started like agreeing i would believe that that was a case of mass hallucination and that we were yeah, being yeah. we were being influenced by that yeah, first person yeah. But the fact is that we've had experiences where we've all not said a goddamn word to each other because we're so fucking scared. And eventually it's come out that we all had the same experience. So it's not, that's a little bit more difficult to explain. Mm -hmm. So which is why my toe is still in the pool. But I do think that there might be, um, like I've said before, there's there's probably some reason for these things happening, and it's not necessarily the spirits of the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying that those things aren't happening. I'm I'm gonna say ninety percent to nine. Sorry, I'm gonna say ninety nine percent, in my opinion, of quote paranormal experiences are misinterpreted natural phenomena. Yeah, or influenced. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I put mine at closer to like 80%, but you know. And there's just so much on the internet now that you've got to like push your percentages around a little bit because there's so enough. much crap. Um, but it doesn't stop me for searching for that 1% that's going to give me chills. Yeah. And that 1% that makes you go, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I can't explain that. But those are things that you have to experience for yourself. Yeah, true. So what I'm, so what we're saying here is go find a haunted castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story is sleep in a haunted castle. That's what I want to do. I really do want to sleep in a haunted castle. Oh uh, be- man, I, I do not. As as somebody as a self, uh, described medium, I'll pass. I'm good. Oh, good. It did. Chillingham it did has a good, 
Chillingham has a good vibe. It seems like it in the pictures. Uh, Hoska Castle? No. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, yeah. I can get that. Chillingham is definitely someone's home, and it's definitely full of love. And a lot of love went into that, and that that yeah. changes things. Hoska okay. Castle, not so much. It's it's full of it's full of just a lot of darkness and exploitation. And oh yeah, that does not make a a friendly pair. No. Well, if you ever get your ass over here, I will take you to Chillingham because Northumberland is my favorite place. Yeah, so. I'm down. Right. So obviously I want to do more. I want to do a whole bunch of castles. I really want to go to this beautiful Japanese castle and this beautiful Austrian castle, but I am going to stop myself so that we don't run into a two-hour episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have a yokai, but it's tied to another castle I want to do, so maybe I'll do a mini-sode or, or we'll just save it. It's so good, though. Um, but um, restraint, right? Restraint. So... If you enjoyed this, which I know I did, um, if you enjoyed this, if you want to hear more, if you want to tell us about your experiences in a haunted castle, do you go ghost, ghost hunting? I used to. It's a blast. Tell us about it. We want to hear all about it. Hit us up on our Instagram, our Facebook, our Twitter at Zombie Fishbowl or Zombie Fishbowl Podcast. We are easy enough to find. Also hit us up on our email. Give us uh, some topics, please. We have a nice long list, but we're we're running through it. We, we would like more more input please, yes, please. Um, podcast at gmail.com we'd really appreciate it also any likes reviews spread the word tell your dog tell your grandma tell your uh, uh teachers I, I don't know tell everybody sing it from the mountain do chalk art uh you've got like nothing better to do yeah what are you what are you doing um and yeah just love us keep loving us and get more people to love us please thank you yes please <laughs> So should I now pick a random topic? Yes, that we will actually subscribe to. Yeah, well, we'll see if it's a good one. Right? <laughs> <laughs> random topic picker, random topic picker, you're a random topic picker, and you're gonna pick a topic. All right, we've got a listener request from your sister, Mikey. Yet again, yes, what do we got? This one's more of a true crime episode. Ransom notes and kidnappings. Oh, okay. I think so we need to do something interesting there. So yeah, we've got a true crime episode coming up. We'll yeah, both find we'll... something interesting there. I don't think we've done one of those yet. No, I don't think we have either. <laughs> if I'm honest. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited. So I shall leave us on a quote by a relatively unknown French romantic surrealist writer of the mid-1800s, Petrus Borel. And the quote is, Shame on those who remain unmoved, whose pace fails to quicken on entering one of these old habitations, a manor house falling to wreck and ruin, or a desecrated church. Feel it, man. Feel it. When you're in those places, feel it. Yeah, I do. At night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at night I feel it <laughs> <laughs> well all that lo- leaves me to say is uh, goodbye everybody we love you and don't panic moo was that a Chillingham cow? it was a Chillingham cow uh-huh. <laughs> I really love those cows I'm, I'm so down for them that's cool moo hey, bye. <laughs>